In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with Ian Right, Right, Right. It's a playoff weekend. Ian, how are you, sir? I'm good. It's Sunday. I'm watching football. It's cold as hell in Chicago. So all's good. I get to stay in the house and uh, do nothing but watch high-caliber football. Excellent. And we're talking high-caliber football. You think that's fair for the last game we watched? When you watch Kansas City, it is just amazing. I mean, Tennessee jumps out 10 nothing. They, it was like the tale of two teams. Tennessee is slow, methodical, running the ball, chewing seven, eight, nine minutes. And then Kansas City is just right down the field they score. I mean, it is quite amazing. They were able to just counter a nine-minute – I was like nine minutes, 16 seconds. They countered in two minutes, get a touchdown, then get the ball back because, of course, with four minutes left, Tennessee's offense, they can't really run the ball. Kansas City gets the ball back, right down the field. Mahomes scrambles 30 yards down the sidelines, touchdown. I mean, just, you know the guy's a freak athlete. I mean, the guy's arm is bionic. I mean, the way he's able to just launch that ball, it's, it's crazy. So, it's fun to watch. Now, this game here, the, uh, the NFC game is a little bit different, a little bit more slow, methodical, uh, more run-focused. So, but, yeah, I thought that, that first game really – Kansas City, I think, is the heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl. I mean, even if they get San Francisco or Green Bay, I don't know how you stop that offense. I mean, they just they just come at you from so many different ways. So Kansas City fans love them some John Dorsey because uh, Dorsey did get him Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, fair play. All the hate that Dorsey gets, you know, they mentioned does Dorsey get a uh, Super Bowl ring? So uh... you know, with Dorsey, you gotta remember the guy knows talent. He knows how to evaluate talent. And in this newer age of football, it's more about organizational alignments and personalities and stuff. And you know, you see the NFL is trending young. Your coaches are getting younger. Your GMs are getting younger. Everybody's getting younger because that old archaic thought of, you know, my way or the highway has gone by the wayside. That's the way Dorsey is. So, you know, we'll see if it works. Tell us, mate, what's going on with the Browns at the moment? It sounds like we've got our potentially OC and DC lined up now. Who are they? Well, right now, we don't have really an OC, quote-unquote, lined up. So right now, the news is we hired today Chad O'Shea. Um, he is going to be the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. So, you know, we've been kind of talking about it for a little while. There was a lot of uh, freedoms in that wide receiver room that needed to get buttoned up. You know, whether it was the usage of Higgins, whether it was alignment for different uh, offensive sets. So, you know, Adam Henry is out. Chad O'Shea is in. Just to give people a little bit of background, so Chad O'Shea has been in the league a long time. I mean, he is he goes all the way back. The connection with him and Stefanski is he actually worked for the Vikings from 06 to 08 under Brad Childress. Then he went from there, spent nine years or ten years, I believe, with Belichick um, as the wide receivers coach. Um, 
So he, he understands offensive football. He's worked under Childress. He's worked under Bill Belichick. Uh, last year, he was the offensive coordinator in Miami, which it was an interesting season in Miami. You know, you didn't know if they wanted to win, lose, tank. So, but overall, the guy's very well respected. Coming in as the passing game coordinator, obviously Stefanski sees something in him that he likes. So I think overall, that's a pretty good hire. Um, Joe Woods, who is currently has his defense against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Adam Schefter came out with a report earlier today basically saying that that is right now the guy who they are lining up. Uh, Steve Wilkes was informed that he will not be retained as defensive coordinator, so he can go out and seek employment. Um, so Joe Woods is likely going to be um, the defensive coordinator. Uh, his background, he was actually a DB coach in Minnesota with Stefanski from 06 to 13. Then he bounced around the AFC West, was with uh, Oakland for a year, then spent a few years in Denver uh, before finally landing out with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco as the DB coach. So Joe Woods comes with a lot of experience. Um, probably what the defense needs when it comes to that secondary. You know, I didn't really have as big of a problem with Steve Wilkes as a lot of people did, but um, Joe Woods, obviously a proven guy, been in the league a long time. So I think Stefanski's starting to do a pretty good job building out that staff. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, so they, inter they were interviewing uh, Rich Gangarello. Um, so he actually was the offensive coordinator with the Broncos last year. The question really is, is he interviewing for the OC or for a quarterback coach job? So right now, I think uh, Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur um, are obviously with the Niners. Those are probably Stefanski's maybe top guys for OC. So maybe Rich is coming in as a QB coach. And if they can't get one of those, um, that's, the op that's the way they could go. But it is really looking like Prefer's going to stay because you haven't heard anything about him, which leads you to believe he's going to be here. So. That's kind of where we're at right now with the coaching. They haven't really made official the Chad O'Shea, but numerous outlets are reporting it. Browns aren't retaining line coach James Campton. Mm, so they are switching on the O-line. I have not seen that. That's a fair move or not? It did, so if Campen wasn't as familiar, which I know he is, with that outside zone blocking scheme, maybe Stefanski wants to get his guy in there. Um, I don't think that's really a – you could go either way. I mean, I like James Campen. I actually thought he was probably going to stick around just given his familiarity. But as of right now, you know, hey, go out and find somebody. Offensive line coaches, to be honest, I don't think a lot of people know a lot about them. I mean, George Warhop was in – Cleveland for a long time. He was highly regarded as one. Bob Wiley was highly regarded as one. James Campen. So as long as whoever that guy is gets along really well with Kevin Stefanski, then that's all that matters. Here's a question for you, a technical question. Ben Albright says Woods prefers cover one and cover three. What does that mean to someone who doesn't really understand what it means? So those are obviously defensive alignments. Cover one is – in essence, it's a man principle where your safety, in essence, plays center field. Um, so somebody like Demarius Randall would, in essence, you have one safety that sits back. Your other safety would come up and play in the box. So his job would be to read the quarterback and then either fade to the you know, left side of the field or the right side of the field. But you, in essence, have one safety back. Cover three takes the back half of the field and divides it into thirds. So in essence, you drop um, – you drop your corners back, your uh, safety plays in the middle, so you, brand, you 
bracket the deep coverage and you keep everything in front of you. They're two pretty common uh, defenses. I know San Francisco plays a lot of cover one, cover three, and then in essence you can go either zone or man underneath. Um, nowadays defenses are so much into subs, the bases, there's specialty packages. Uh, Five two. I mean, there's so many different alignments nowadays, and you have just so many guys with multiple skill sets that a guy like Joe Woods, I think, could have a field day with a guy like Miles Garrett, a guy, you know, if they keep Joe Schobert, um, Demarius Randall, he would be a very good cover one safety. I mean, that's kind of what his background was in Green Bay. So it's definitely a possibility. We're going to know over the next six to eight weeks with the Senior Bowl coming up, with the um, – with the combine coming up with free agency. So we're, we're going to start plugging in some big pieces, I would assume. So what I've seen of Randall in London, he likes a bourbon shot or bourbon shot, as you say, in America. He's a big fan of that. And he's really tight with Odell Beckham. So like super tight. They're like best buddies. So um, you've got Hollywood hanging out with red wine. And then you've got Odell hanging around with... Um, Randall. So that's kind of how it works over at the moment. So uh, the guys that make nine and $10 million a year versus the guys that make one and two. So maybe those are like salary uh, societal brackets based on salary. Cause Demarius Randall, I think made 9 million this year. Yeah. Okay. Well tonight, the first round's on him. I'll tell him that. So uh, please do. <clears throat> yeah. Outside of that, uh, any other good stories? I saw that uh, Odell took in a little bit of an EPL match, if I'm not mistaken. So He went to watch uh, Arsenal play, which... Uh, He's got some buddies on the squad over there. Yeah, the... Uh, uh, what's he called? The Arsenal striker. Ang- Abba Mayang, I believe is how you say that. Abba- he, was, he was with Dortmund, actually. So I remember when he was a striker for Dortmund, um, and then he went over to, uh, to Arsenal, so... Yeah, he's a, he's a talented player. You know, he's uh, he's got something special about it. Can he be consistent? That's more of the uh, more of the more of the problem. Yeah, well, I saw they um, they draw. They did have a draw with Sheffield, right? Sheffield so. United. You got to say Sheffield United in, in oh okay. or soccer because um, damn damn Americans. There's two teams in Sheffield: Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday, and they both got very big history. So. Um, even though they're not like their best teams at the moment, they were some of the creators of the uh, football. So okay, I saw Man U went down the today, and uh, also uh, Leicester City lost to Burnley. So yeah, maybe the maybe Hollywood and the boys uh, were a jinx, and the uh, the EPL fans are going to get them out of town as soon as possible. I don't think uh, Hollywood actually got into that level of watching the game. So uh, once again, I think Ob- Odell had the box ticket. So um, yeah, th- th- there we go. Is he going to be hanging out with uh, Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle? I don't think so. I heard um, they have a lot of free time coming up. They have quite a lot of free time, to be honest, Ian. But uh, they're sp- spending most of their time in Canada and uh, uh, away from the London club scene. But um, <laughs> Well, hopefully maybe Jason Locke and Fora can write a good article about that because uh, he set the internet ablaze earlier. So we were chatting about it a little bit. Seems uh, Jason Locke and Fora still has uh, – some thorns that drive into the side of Jimmy Haslam. Oh, well, well, look, uh, it's an easy, it's an easy pop to have. So, uh, unless if you're inside the building, yeah, no, what, what do you really know? You just pick up uh, second tier stuff. Well, for those that haven't read it, 
the soup to nuts version of the article is simple. Jason Lockenfora reported that a source directly tied to the coaching search. So I think we can do the pieces and math on this one. As we know, Jason Lockenfora has some connections with the Patriots. So there was a candidate in our coaching search who may have been at the final table who didn't get the job, who went on record saying that, of course, not formally, the source directly with knowledge says that the Browns ownership is delusional with how they think the team has expectation because they are on the, the you know, verge of greatness. And, you know, I know you have a background in employment and stuff, and I know a lot of our listeners probably have as well. I don't think I've ever sat in an interview and not heard the owner, the CEO, whoever the managing, the hiring manager was, not build up the company. So I don't understand how this is news. Like, do they expect Jimmy Haslam to be like, yeah, you know what, Josh? It's a dumpster fire here. What a train wreck of an organization I've got here. Do you sure you should come work here? Because, you know, like, that's not how you sell the team. You know, you say, listen, you know, we speak positive. We speak into existence. Like, even if it's not true, you're still going to say it. Like, there is no doubt in my mind, Jimmy Haslam believes that. I mean, he's paying hundreds of millions of dollars a year to these players, not to lose, to go six and 10. He's paying them because he believes they are on the verge of greatness. I, I, I guess I just don't understand how this is some like, aber like this is some thing in the Browns, you know, fans' minds that like, wow, why would he say such a thing? <laughs> I mean, have you ever had a hiring manager go, yeah, this company sucks. We really need you to work here because it sucks so bad. No, uh, unless you really like challenges. If you're willing to challenges and want to fix something, then yeah, potentially. But even then, you'd pitch it as, hey, you know the history we have here. We feel like we're in the best position right now to succeed, better than we've ever had before. We need you. Like, that's the sales pitch. I think anybody that's sold anything understands that. Yeah, mate. I don't know. I don't know how people read these articles because uh, I think unless you're there, and uh, you know, maybe in a year's time it comes through that they were correct. Maybe they weren't, you know. Who knows? But, mate, before we uh, finish up um, – Pro Bowl, Senior Bowl, will you be watching them? I usually do. Um, you know, as I've kind of mentioned a couple times in the past, I really had a chance to go down there a few years ago and kind of experience it for myself. It was an amazing time. Um, it is really cool just to kind of see, you know, the entire NFL world converges on this tiny little town in southern Alabama called Mobile. And, you know, there's no direct flights in. It's tiny. It's right there on the South Alabama campus. I mean, you see everybody and anybody. I mean, I'm walking around there and Monty Kiffin, who was the DC of the Cowboys at the time, is looking at me like I'm some driver. People don't know who, who, like, who people are. You know, you're just out in the bar and you're like, oh, there's Albert Breer. Oh, there's Scott Turner. Oh, there's North Turner. Oh, there's this guy. Every, you just see these guys out in public. Everybody's kibitzing. I mean, I remember I actually, it was a very interesting thing. So Josh Gordon was on the Browns at the time. And there was a full spirited debate and I won't say who it was, but there was a full spirited debate between offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches from various teams debating the merits of Josh Gordon versus Demarius or Demarius Thomas. So you had them like, Oh, Demarius does this, this, this. And like, they talk like you and I do at a bar and they're like, no, you know, this wide receivers coach, he does this. And like, they obviously get more technical, but like they're sitting there going, you're telling me you wouldn't take Demarius for Josh straight up right now. It is just wild. And we talk about how all these guys like Lock and Fora and Schefter and Breer, all these guys get their scoops. I sat in a bar for 
two hours and I could have told you everything that was going on because it is just openly discussed and a lot of it's off the record. Um, you know, it, it's just wild. I mean, Adam Kaplan's down there just shooting the shit with Marvin Lewis and he's like telling him all this stuff. So it is kind of wild. So we wonder how some of these guys get the scoops. Weeks like Senior Bowl is how that all comes down because it's just open forum for discussion and topics of conversation. So theoretically, I always say this next year, but I should try and go to a playoff game, then fly into the uh, Senior Bowl and then go to the Pro Bowl all in one week and then probably stay for the Super Bowl, really. If, if you're an NFL nut, that's what you should be doing. That would be like massive differences, like – the senior bowl is like the scouting and draft community. And then the super bowl is like the corporate world. And then the pro bowl is like just a bunch of everybody's having fun, sitting back, drinking Mai Tais. The playoff would be like a rabid fan. That would be like the four pillars of NFL fandom right there. Mm. All right, mate. Last thing I want to discuss is Baker Mayfield, UFC on the big screen. Didn't get a mention. How do you feel about that? Well, I think people were maybe confused with his hat. You know, I will say I saw a lot of the memes going around with Baker and his hat compared to the Waterboy guy. So I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, Miles Garrett got a shout-out. Uh, Tom Brady was there. So, yeah, they didn't, they didn't seem like they wanted to mention uh, Sir Baker's name. So I saw Emily there and Baker and the siblings. So the, uh, the fight lasted a grand total of 40 seconds. It seemed like uh, Ireland's finest uh, made quick work of that one. Yeah, and how would you? Uh, how much did it cost over there in the states? It was twenty pounds over here, so about twenty-five, thirty bucks. Yeah. So ESPN has started getting into the UFC now. Um, so I believe it was through their ESPN Plus package. I honestly was out of the town. I didn't watch it. I got an alert that just said the fight ended in forty seconds. I jumped onto Twitter, and there's a replay of the fight in its entirety right there. Um, but I do know some of the places were charging like up to $50 just to come in and watch the fight in their bar. So um, kind of wild, but uh, you know, anybody who remembers back in the days, like the Mike Tyson days, you'd pay this big money for uh, for a fight and it would barely last a couple rounds. You were just paying to see the knockout. So uh, I don't know. I, I didn't see honor used that probably Stipe taught Miles because, you know, Stipe is obviously a heavyweight and uh, Connor came out there flying around throwing shoulders and knees and everything. So Miles is probably impressed with it, I will say, though, because, you know, he's a big fighting guy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm just looking forward to next year because I really think we're going in as underdogs and uh, Baker's up for it. Well, I think um, if there's something that Stefanski really can look at is say, hey, last year you guys were media darlings. And look how fast they tore you to pieces. I mean, everything and anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I mean, now you have fat Baker Mayfield things on Twitter and, you know, people are tweeting at his wife, you know, all this stuff. We hear about all that, but shout out to the Browns fans who are taking care of Megan and Joe Schobert. I don't know if you saw on her Twitter, Browns fans have been flooding her with gifts off of her registry. So, Ian, did the Paul Brown podcast give anything to the uh, Schoberts? You know, I think that for as much Joe Crow show or Joe Show Crow as I ate, um, I did send Megan and Joe a, a little gift package on behalf of Paul and myself. Um, you know, I will also donate. There was a um, a little thing that she posted, so to donate, and I will do that as well. But yeah, we did the Paul and Ian uh, gift package should be arriving tomorrow, actually. Mate, my bills adding up that I owe you, mate. So uh, a bottle <laughs> of wine and uh, a present. Things are getting out of control. 
Uh, don't worry. And the other part was, and you may not remember this, but uh, actually the Indians had a guy back in um, their playoff run a few years ago, and he was like a backup pitcher, came in, won a game. His registry went public, and Indians fans bought everything on there. Like, it was insane. So, you know, Cleveland fans are very loyal. You take care of us, we take care of you. So Cleveland's one of the few places, I think, where, you know, a multimillion-dollar athlete can get things paid for by, you know, people making minimum wage and, you know, a lesser amount of money than that. So I thought that was a really good showing uh, by Browns fans. Excellent. Well, look, Ian, it's an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, got some great shows this week. Tell us, where can people find your details? Ian 19 on Twitter, and uh, hopefully, depending on the outcome of this game, uh, 49ers are up 10 nothing right now. But uh, if any of the uh, assistants from San Francisco are coming their way, if they, uh, they win, we will not be able to sign them for a couple more weeks. So Stefanski may be down at the Senior Bowl without assistance. Interesting. Mm. The GM search is going on as well. So when do we'll you think we're going to find out about that? Well, it's weird because they're going like back and forth with that guy from Minnesota. Um, so he's confirmed, he's not confirmed, you know, so I don't know what George Payton's doing, but if he wants to interview, uh, it seems like the Andrew Berry is obviously the Aslan people chose, uh, choice, but you never know. You could see something coming from, uh, from Minnesota.